Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. You are in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I am David. And today, I'm really excited about introducing our guest. And I don't usually ask a lot for our audience since we don't physically see you, but I'm going to close my eyes and imagine if you answer these brief questions. So how many people remember that when you were taught public speaking, you had to imagine that everyone in the audience was naked? Right? I I do see some hands go up, including my own. That was a big one. Another one was practice in front of a mirror. You will get better and better if you practice in front of a mirror. And today, uh, you also were told to videotape yourself. If you videotape yourself, your presentation, they will love you to death. And our guest is going to dispel a lot of those myths and talk about why they do not work. It also zaps our own innate charisma. Uh, without further ado, I'd like to learn about putting the clothes back on our audience with our guest today, Jill Jensen. Welcome, Jason. Jill Jason, welcome to the podcast, Jill. Thank you, Hamza. And I'm so excited to share everything with your audience. And uh, what my hope is, and, and what I'm thinking is going to happen, is they are going to at least begin to feel transformed, if not transformed during this hour. So I look forward to hearing the feedback. Yes. Thanks. Thanks for making the podcast. And let's just jump. Yeah, let's jump right in, Jill. I I know myself and maybe my generation, maybe I'm a little older and I just remember public speaking in elementary school and in junior high, we probably wasn't elementary school because they get in trouble for picturing the audience naked. But (laughs) we had to at least pass puberty to think that. But if it it, would, it was supposed to get rid of a lot of fear of – because a lot of people think – I mean, the, the thing is people are more afraid of public speaking than they are death and taxes. So it ranks one of the top three of humans' biggest fears. And why is that the case? Ah, and first let me just add, you know what Jerry Seinfeld said? He said, you mean to tell me that if you're at a funeral, you'd rather be in the casket than give the eulogy? (laughs) 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 So (laughs) we have to ask ourselves, okay, in the last century, right, we land a man on the moon, we can sequence a genome, we can surf the web in seconds. Why has public speaking made absolutely no progress? And that's because, Hamza, it's the same old, same old, recycled, regurgitated stuff. And I'm going to say something that everyone in your audience is going to feel so great about. Okay, you ready for this? The reason why you don't want to speak in public, the reason why you're hesitant, is because you're a high achiever and you know, either on a conscious or a subconscious level, that you don't have what it takes to hit it out of the ballpark. And I'm going to tell you, it has nothing to do with your ability and everything to do with the fact that you've been mistaught. And my background, which spans from corporate to creative, I was an award-winning stockbroker, 
I'm an award-winning playwright, director, producer. I'm the founder of two theater companies. Of course, I'm a corporate communications coach and strategist. I'm a TV actor. I'm a motivational speaker. And I'm also certified in NLP, neurolinguistic programming, how the brain interprets language. There is an art and a science to mastering your message, mastering your delivery, and mastering the room. The room be representative of whoever your audience is, whether it's one person or 300 people. And I have really created a breakthrough methodology that works in a big way. So now that we know that it's not your fault, okay, and I'm going to go into reasons why, and as you said, there are so many things that people are telling you, and books and blogs are saying, do this. No, 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 no. But I'm going to tell you what to do instead. So where do you want me to begin? I mean, I have so <laughs> 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 I'm writing my ninth musical right now, but I'm also writing a book on public speaking done right because I want everyone to know. I want everyone to know how to win big at public speaking. Sure. Jill, let me ask real quick. I, I just take it that you sound like you were probably have always been comfortable uh, public speaking or just being, you know, in the light, so to speak. Is that is that the case, or was no. it something that you were, at, you know, at one point kind of shy about? Yes, actually, you know, it's it's interesting because when people, you know, kids, parents in, in my theater companies, when they say my daughter is so shy or my son's so shy, that's very powerful. That's very powerful. It means you're an observer, and you can call things up in a very authentic way. So, and, you know, Johnny Carson was one of the biggest introverts. He was very, very shy. Yeah, that's true. And I call myself, I don't know if you've ever heard of this category, an extroverted introvert. So many people, by the way, when they define introvert and extrovert, uh, it's we think that an introvert is someone, you know, who's very shy and, and wants to be alone. An extrovert wants to be out in the limelight. Um, actually, an introvert is someone who gets his or her energy from within themselves. And an extrovert is someone who needs to get it from outside sources. So introverts are very powerful. You just have to tap in and, again, take them by the hand and show them the way. And when it comes to public speaking, that's basically what I do with everyone because they're all coming to me because they'd rather quit their job than speak in front of 300 people. And uh, somehow they get my name because they see someone else speak. And uh, I can transform rapidly. So to answer your question, since I have so much to say, I'm sorry, uh, I... My major in college originally was um, nutrition. I wanted to go into science. I was taking all these classes, and, and then I had to take an elective in oral interpretation of literature when you got up in front of people and you orally interpreted a passage from literature. And I said to myself, wow, you know, at first I was feeling very quiet and hesitant, but at the end of this class, it was, a, it was very powerful. And I switched my major to speech communications and theater because that class tapped into something with me. You know, you never know how the dots are going to connect until you look back. And so after that, yes, um, I have been comfortable. But you know something, um, Hamza, when it comes to I'm a very passionate person, as you are, and when I know that I'm getting an important point across or I'm connecting with someone, I'm changing lives, making a difference, 
that to me is so meaningful. So it makes me really want to communicate that message. I really like the part, Jill, when you talked about the difference with extrovert versus introvert. And I was watching recently, when you mentioned Jerry Seinfeld, I was watching Comedians in Cars on Netflix. And he, on this recent episode, he had Eddie Murphy in the car. And here you have two titans, and you, you think they kind of go and riff off each other. And they, one defining moment based off of what you were saying is that they were very big introverts. They were very observant, and they really had to overcome and gain greater confidence to get on the stage. And they were both surprised of how uh, <laughs> lack of confidence existed in both of them, but they were like, no, I put on that strong face. I overcame my fears to be who I am today. Yes, and it's a matter of knowing, and this is what coaches are for. Um, it's a matter of someone taking you by the hand and, and showing you the way so you give yourself permission to release your energy out into the world. That's what it is on a higher level. But you need that path by which to do it, because if you don't know how to do it, yes, and when it comes to public speaking, you really don't know how to do it because you've been mistaught. <laughs> So let me ask, let me ask this real quick, Hamza. Now, just from you know what I you know from knowing you and stuff, how how has that kind of journey been for you? Because I know you in your career, you had to do public speaking. Was it something that was just kind of natural for you? And in addition to what, just being able to do stand up, getting in front and and, and talking, how has it been for you? Yeah, it was a combination. Thanks, David. <laughs> um, but it, it was a combination. I think I was like Jill, like everyone else. I don't. It has to come out of you. So you know, I had people that were, I and I was. That's how I started the podcast. A picture people naked and such. And I had to overcome some of those because I like how Jill was highlighting that it actually zaps your own charisma because you're not being yourself. And I think a coach like Jill brings out your natural capabilities. Would you agree, Jill? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And you know, it's so interesting. I will do a workshop and of adults and we'll be sitting in a circle and I'll say to them, um, name three of your strengths. And I swear, they look at me like I'm speaking a foreign language. They either don't want to own them. They don't know three. You know, they don't feel comfortable articulating. But then I go around the same circle and I say, name one of your weaknesses and I'll come five and ten seconds. So what's wrong? What's wrong here? You see a book at Barnes & Noble, turn your weaknesses into a strength. That's ridiculous. That's not going to happen. We become mediocre at best. If I have no sense of direction, if I were to waste all my time trying to turn that into a strength, I, I would be mediocre at best, and I would neglect my strengths and my gifts. And the whole key to life is to take your strengths and 95% of the time make them stronger. And bring your weaknesses up to par. So I get a navigator. I get used to asking directions. I get lost. You know, I accept it. But to know what your strengths are is key. So one of my strengths is that I can see the strengths in others. So part of my process with taking them through and lifting them to high levels when it comes to communicating and and public speaking is to take strengths that they don't even know that exist within themselves, bring them to a conscious level so they can embrace those strengths. And we integrate those strengths in in their presentation, and, and they do it as well in their life. 
So it's really a beautiful, beautiful process. I, I like that process, and, and you are you have your foot in both worlds. And I know as a man, maybe I have the tendency to to compartmentalize. And you are in the corporate environment as well as the creative environment with your theaters and such. Is there a difference in getting different areas of the mind to work to reach that strength? Well, you know, that's interesting because whenever I direct, be it corporate or a child or an adult, you know, theater on stage, um, there's a very powerful triad. Now, we're used to being educated, especially kids today, above our shoulders, right to the left side of our brain. They are taught how to take tests. So that left side is developed, right? And then there's the creative side on on the right-hand side, which is not as developed. But then there is our center, our core, our power. That's where our gut, our instincts, our heart, that's our power center. So what I do when I coach is I bring everyone down to their power center, which so many people, especially adults, are no longer in touch with. And then your powerful triad is to take that power center, combine it with the left and the right side of your brain. I love, does that make sense? I love that. It, it yeah. does. And, and we were in, in other conferences or other talks, uh, we, we highlight that when you're a child, that you have that ultimate creativity, you know, and I just had uh, two, I'm a twin, I have a twin sister, oh. and her, her daughter just had twins the other day, right? Wow. So we have like that internal creativity, if you will, we kind of play off each other. But we also talk about how when you get to adolescence, then a lot of that goes away, you start caring more of what your peers think, and your creativity goes away. So it sounds like you're adults are turned off uh, from adolescence and you're re you're reconnecting them to their creativity. Yes, and I'm in touch with my center, my core, my left side, my right side because I do spend from corporate to creative, which is why what I've created is very breakthrough because it goes through the art and the science of mastering your message, the art and the science of mastering your delivery. And there is an art and a science to mastering the room. And what I do is I go into that person, and I, it's all customized. There are ways to do that so you know exactly what it is. And once people learn this methodology and they know who they are and they know what their strengths are, um, my hope is and what ends up happening is that they can, they're empowered to do this for themselves and just give me a quick call, you know, Many of my clients, what happens is they say, oh, my goodness, Jill knows how to tell a story because she's an award-winning playwright. Jill knows how to direct my delivery because she's an award-winning director. You know, so I, I feel as though I'm really, really meant to be doing this. Um, and I look forward to going through what we're not meant to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, let's go into that because initially you're, you're breaking uh, bad habits, right? And so let's uh, dispel the myth of, okay, imagine everyone in the audience is naked and what's a better way to highlight our strength so we can break out of that old paradigm? Okay, so I'm going to walk you through a number of things that you read in books. And, oh, my goodness, the most recent I read in an article, again, by these so-called experts, you're not going to believe this, 
She said, when you're giving a presentation, give out handouts because then the attention won't be on you. They'll be reading the handout. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Can you believe this? Um, and the interesting thing is, is that, oh, my goodness. Okay, so I'm going to lead up. I'm going to lead up with a few things of what we've been taught and what we need to do instead. Um, first of all, when you, read, when you read the books or what you've been taught in terms of how to make a presentation, they say divide it into three parts. Tell them what you're going to tell them, right? That's the introduction. Then tell them, what, then tell them which is the body, and then tell them what you've already told them, which is to summarize. So I say, really? You're watching a movie or reading a book. You want to be told what's going to happen. Then you want to see or read what's going to happen. And then you want to be told what you just saw or you just read happened? No. That's totally anticlimactic. You have to take them, your audience, on a powerful, captivating journey. And again, there's an art and a science to it. But they should not know what's coming up every moment. Yes? I don't care if you're talking about sequencing a genome or the best chocolate cake recipe. You should be taking them on this amazing journey. So they, they are so connected with you that they can't wait to hear what you have to say next. Mm. Okay, so that's now, number one. I want to stay there for one second, Joe, because yes. it, it makes me think of, of Bill Campbell, and Bill Campbell is famous for – he's a famous playwright or uh, director – and he's famous for talking about the hero's journey. And so as a director of a movie, you're supposed to go through the hero's journey. The, the, the trick, or if you will, maybe that's a bad word, but is to not let the audience know that they're going through a template. So are you, when you're talking, is it still a template and you're just trying, you're doing it and you're being charismatic so that the audience doesn't catch on to you doing a template? Well, there is a strategy behind it and tactics to get you to the strategy. Um, but what you don't want to do is what the books say, which is, oh, hi, I'm going to tell you about this, and we're first going to go through this, and then we're going to go through this, and then we're going to go through this. And then you go through it and say, okay, we just went through all of this to summarize, right? That's what you don't mm -hmm. want to do. So there are ways, and we can talk about that in terms of the written component and how you do that. Um, I could start with that now, or I can go through the do's and don'ts, some more do's and don'ts, whatever you want me to do. So you tell Yeah, let's me. go. I was just, I'm, thanks for clarifying the, the first one. So I, I like to continue with the do's and don'ts. Okay. So let me ask you a question. In terms of the written component versus the delivery, you had to put a percentage on how much energy do you spend with the written versus how much energy do you spend with the delivery. What would you say? I think it's all in the delivery, if I'm not reading. <laughs> okay. Would you do 90% delivery, 10% written? What would you do? Just yeah, I would do 90% delivery. Okay. And David, are you in on this? Any guesses? Uh, 80% delivery. Okay. That's what we've been taught. Guess what? 90% written, 10% delivery. Why? Because if I craft you a powerful message, 
that's written in the spoken word that's going to connect with everyone and build and build and build, and you know you have that, and you know it can come across as extemporaneous, yes, and captivate your audience. And when I have to direct your delivery, it's easy. It's there because it fits you like a glove, and you know it works. So when you think of it, Meryl Streep, De Niro, they take a subpar script. They're not going to take that. They're going to look like crap as actors. And that's exactly what happens to speakers. They write this Wikipedia flat thing, flat, flat presentation with PowerPointless, as I call it, and, um, and then their delivery is flat. There's nothing they can do because the written, they have not mastered the message. The writing is not moving and flowing. And again, there are ways to do that that I can go into after I go into the next no-no. <laughs> okay. I, I like that 90-10. It, it does. And yeah. what I was thinking was, was 2019, in 2019 terms, because when you said you're reading the different blogs and such, uh, a lot of the, the conversation out there today, at least from the Internet, is that you're writing for two audiences. You're writing for the human audience, but you're also writing for AI or the bots that come to your site, and they want to make sure that the user gets a good experience. So it's kind of combining both efforts of what you're talking about. Yes, but again, what people will say and how we've been taught, they'll say 50% written, 50% delivery, or really heavily on the delivery. And what they don't Mm -hmm. realize is that the delivery with some direction and coaching happens almost instantaneously if you have the written. Okay. Yeah, it's very Sure, let's let's keep... Let's keep going. Okay, we're going to keep going. Um, so getting back to uh, speaking, you know, practice in front of a mirror or so many of these companies say, we have a room and we videotape you, and then we analyze that videotape with you. Okay, so why is that a no, no, no? That's a no, 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 because you can't be in your head as a performer on stage or a speaker and give your energy and connect at the same time. You take away your power if you're in your head. So what happens when we see ourselves on videotape, right? Oh, no, I don't like how I was doing this. I don't like my smile. So what happens? You have these images in your head that you can't get rid of, which takes away from your power. The whole idea is when you zone into your center, and you connect, 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 that's where your power is. That's where your power is. The minute you go into your head, you take it away. And that's part of the problem, again, with all of these books and blogs, because I'm going to go into the biggest, biggest no-no in a minute. Well, first I'll go into a uh, picture of the audience in the <laughs> I'm going to tell you that all of these gimmicks, I was, um, I was coaching someone, and there was a party, they had this party, and a top media coach was there, and the client came to me the day after and said, the media coach said, just look at the back lights, you'll get through it, and I knew not to do that because I've been working with you. Hmm. So all of these gimmicks are a desperate attempt to cover up a failing methodology, 
If you have a methodology that works, you don't need gimmicks because you should be powerfully connecting. And you're not powerfully connecting if you're busy thinking of the audience naked or looking at the back light, right? <laughs> or right. until you look at the video and that, oh, my right. goodness, I found this way, right? So right. here we go. That's why these things do not work. I hope that your audience is feeling better every minute that we're speaking. <laughs> um, okay, the biggest, the biggest no-no is, you ready for this? I'm ready. Don't be nervous. Yeah. Don't be nervous. How to get rid of your nerves. How to get rid of your nerves. Now, there are two kinds of nervous energy. What I'm about to tell you is one of the biggest premises of what I do and how I coach and direct. There are two kinds of nervous energy. The first kind is the negative nervous energy. If you're not prepared and you don't know what you're doing, don't do it. Get off the stage. Don't do it. If you are prepared and you've mastered that message and you've practiced, that nervous energy that you're feeling is powerful, positive performance energy that makes you electrifying, that makes you charismatic. You think of it, again, coming from your center, and you think of it like electricity filling the room, making you the captivating speaker you're supposed to be. Now, we need that to run a marathon. We need it to climb a mountain. Why is everyone telling you don't be nervous? Hmm. Wrong, wrong, wrong. So if you're rehearsed and you know that you have something great to tell and share with your audience, you go in and you say to yourself, I'm feeling that energy, that powerful, positive energy. That's going to make me amazing. I am going to connect with everyone and impact lives. That's what you say to yourself, and that is true. That is true. But again, people have been mistaught, and they, they don't know how to master the message. And because of that, they don't know how to master the delivery. They're told, so what happens, Hamza, is that they say to themselves, oh, my goodness, I'm feeling nervous. Oh, no. So what happens? They, they take away their power again, right? Mm-hmm. So between doing that and picturing the audience naked, uh, it's just not working. <laughs> it's not working, right? But when you know, I mean, NLP, neurolinguistic programming, if you, you get rid of a negative by replacing it with a positive, but it has to be a valid positive. So there's your replacement. There's a negative nervous energy and the positive powerful energy. And I always tell people when they're auditioning, especially kids, because the casting director will say to them, are you nervous? Don't be nervous. They know and they say to themselves, I have the powerful, positive nervous energy. <laughs> and indeed, <laughs> they'll come back and tell me that. But, you know, they're not going to say that to the casting director because they're not going to get it. But <laughs> that's the whole idea, you know. And mind you, I put kids on Broadway, film, TV. Um, and, and the speakers, when people hear the people I've worked with, they go over to them and they say, what happened to you? <laughs> And, again, it, it's this methodology. It's this methodology. So those are just some of the things. And, again, uh, PowerPoint, PowerPointless, if it's right. not used correctly. <laughs> don't use it. Sure. Right? Sure. People 
things up on, you know, lists of things. So when you think of it, do you see lightning first or do you hear thunder? You see lightning first. So you have a visual on that stage with a list of things, right? So you're reading the list and tuning the person out. And it's mm-hmm. totally, again, anticlimactic. So mm-hmm. I was invited a few weeks ago to critique speakers at this, uh, the, this biomed uh, conference. And oh my goodness, but I knew that this was going to be happening. You know, the thing is, is that I say that I transform people from phobic to fearless and mediocre to masterful. People think that if they just get through it, that they've mastered it. They haven't. For the most part, they're mediocre at best because to them just getting through it is following the rules that they shouldn't be following. Yeah, people read the PowerPoint. Yikes. Yikes! Yikes for sure. Uh, I remember a personal personal story that you may like, Jill, is that when I was in corporate and we'd see a prospect, and, and we did high end research labs. So when we would speak with some of the uh, engineers at, for a client, we would turn on the PowerPoint and they and turn off the lights, and they were like, "Can you give me a pillow and just wake up, wake me up in forty five <laughs> minutes?" Because he's seen like ten similar PowerPoints that day. And you know something? The audience desperately wants to be entertained. They desperately want to get something out of it. They do. And I call it, I have all these terms that I've created, but they want to have bragging rights. They want to say, oh, my goodness, I just came from listening to Hamza present, and he said blah, 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 blah. And by the way, that's the most powerful way uh, to propel your message by word of mouth. So if you know how to master the message and you give them sound bites and you build so that they go out and they have these bragging rights because they're the first to know about what you're doing, that builds. That builds in such a rapid way, you know? Um, I have a a selfish question, Jill, and it's Hamza. But I have a, a selfish question with the Biomed Conference. I, I do want to stay there for one second uh, because okay. it, they are at the cutting edge. And it, it's, I, I worked with that industry, and, and you have to, like you said, speak to your audience. There's people that you know, could care less about what's going on there. And I, I wanted to know about people in the audience. So if you're speaking to 1,000 people and they're not naked, what about two people in the audience? There's one person that's looking – at you, you maintain eye contact with them, and they're really interested in what you're hearing. And there's a person that's sitting next to them with their arms crossed. They may have already formed an opinion of you, and they're not listening to you. So where would you send your focus? Okay. What's that? The first 30 to 60 seconds, they're forming an opinion of you on a subconscious level without even putting Mm -hmm. any language into it. Right, right. So speech begins as soon as you're in your seat and you get up and you walk to that podium. That's when it begins. That's when you're being judged. And then the first mm-hmm. 30 um, If you master the message, everyone will be looking at you. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point. So, yes, I was in the audience critiquing, 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 and, you know, people are on their cell phones. It's exactly what you're saying. I mean, I think it's one thing if you're presenting to a group of scientists and you're a scientist, but it's a whole different ballgame if you're presenting to venture capitalists who are there to give you money 
and you're not connecting with them. Mm-hmm. You know. Hmm. So yes, they they go on their cell phones. They use the restroom. They go get a snack. <laughs> not good. <laughs> not good. Right. And you know, so many of these companies are on the cutting edge. They're disruptive. They have amazing things to say. I look at things, look at stories, the way they can be told, possibilities. Um, I had this one client who's Fortune Magazine's 50 Most Powerful Leaders in the World, and I've been working with her for 10 years, and I was originally called in to coach. And she tells me her story. It's riveting. It's amazing. And she says to me, okay, here's my speech. And I read it, and I said, did you write this? And she said, no, a speechwriter wrote it. And I said, okay, you've got to get rid of the speechwriter because the speechwriter is not capturing the essence, the heart, or the power of your story. I will take you through the process so you can have it all. You know, and we've been working together for over 10 years. So much of it, Hamza, is that message. That message is critical because you have to build it. You have to connect with everyone in that audience, the auditory, the visual, the kinesthetic. And there are ways to tell it and ways to build it, which, again, I can go into with mastering the message. Um, Lastly, everyone talks about the four-letter F word, fear. The more you talk about it, the more you enable it, the faster it grows, which is why it's still the number one fear. So I always say, again, I'm not going to use that four-letter F word. But people use these gimmicks because they don't have the methodology to take you up to, you know, a successful speaker, to take you to that level. And I'm not saying they're doing it deliberately. They're just doing the same old, same old. Right. Um, I worked with someone a few weeks ago who got my name from someone else and didn't want, had to make a 10-minute introductory speech. He's in corporate um, finance. And he said, you know, and I hear this all the time, we've had corporate, you know, public speaking workshops and everything, you know, and coaches, and they've never made a difference. I worked with him for two hours, totally rewrote what he was saying, came back a few hours later, worked on the delivery with him. Now, mind you, this was like a 15-minute. This was not very lengthy. And I told him to be prepared because he's going to get applause in these two places. (laughs) And, of course, he texts me and says, I did. I got it. You know, how did you do this in a few hours? Because when you know what you're doing, you can make changes. You can transform. You can do it fast. And that's the whole point. And that's what I want everyone to know, that everyone can be a great speaker. They just have to want to be. Because that's the sure. one thing I You know, if your energy is not there and you don't want to do it, I can't guarantee anything. But um, mm. I have so many stories. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so this is really funny. Are you ready to laugh? I'm ready. Yeah. You guys ready? <laughs> <laughs> I think your, your viewers, your, your listeners, your audience will laugh. So I am a founding producer of the New York Musical Theater Festival. They're like the Sundance Musical Theater in New York City. It's a festival that takes place in the summer. It's all original musicals. And that will propel to Broadway, off-Broadway, et cetera. 
And one year, usually they have a celebrity make a pre-curtain speech before the show goes up, you know, shut your cell phone, give to nymphs, you know, the whole thing. One year they decided to have board members and founding producers do it. So they give me this speech to say, and of course I'm not going to say it, because like the man I worked with two weeks ago, I know that, forget it, right? It's boring. And I, I told everyone else who was making speeches that I would share mine with them. I'd coach them. Of course not. So when it came time for them to do it, they like sitting there with an index card. Their hands are shaking. These are powerful people who, you know, have to speak in, you know, in front of 300 people in an off-roadway theater. So I go ahead and I know, this is what I do, that I'm going to connect and captivate the audience in my minute or two minutes that I have to speak. So it's... Uh, it's intermission, and I'm talking to my friend. And all of a sudden, this man comes over to me, um, and I can hear his voice, like, on the side of my head, you know, by my ears saying, by the way, you give great speech. <laughs> and I look up, and it's Tony Danza. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, one of the things I say is, I give great speech, and so can you. <laughs> <laughs> But it's very funny because, look, you know, people know when you're connecting with them authentically. And people know when, when, you know, when they're interested and they want to sit there and they don't want it to end. That's the whole idea. Everyone can achieve that. Yeah, I think that when you're, as you were talking, Jill, I was thinking about the, all the award shows. And a, a huge percentage do a terrible job and when they have that moment to connect with the audience of their peers. And I was just wondering if they, if you've ever reached out to them or they reached out to you and because they have that, what 90 second window where they just turn the music up loud and just turn that person off because they're not they're I think it's yeah. one to kind of get the person off the hook, but also it's just showing that no one's really connecting with their audience. You're absolutely right, and that, that's a whole other market. You know, everyone needs to know their expertise and then have a powerful network of people who have theirs because we can't be great at everything we do. So that's exactly what you were talking about. So I had a TV show host, and um, he came to me because he was great on camera, but when it came time to narrating – he was falling short. He was falling flat. And before I even saw what he, was, what he had to say, I said to him, I can, tell you, I can tell you what it is right now. Your writers do a great job writing the show. However, when it comes time for you to narrate, they're not narrating for you. And it's not building for you. I will show you how to do that. That season, he got nominated for an Emmy. Mm, wow. Yeah. I know. That's what I mean. This works. And you see now that written component is so important because you have these actors, as you said, in the award shows. If they knew what to say in those 60 seconds, I mean, they could easily deliver that. That's what they're mm -hmm. used to. They're used to memorizing and delivering, you know? They just right. they don't have a written component. And meanwhile, they could be the most amazing actor, right? But all of a sudden, it's as you said, which is a great observation. It's the written component. Hmm. Jill, what's the, largest, what's the largest group that you've ever spoken in front of? Oh, 
I was just given an award. I was in the fall. I probably spoke in front of, I don't know, 400 people, 500 people. I'm trying to think because now I have to go back in time. I mean, I've acted on stage, but that doesn't, you know, in front of a thousand, but that doesn't count. Um, uh, I don't know. I'd probably say 500. I've done workshops, but not for 500 people. You know, I've done a lot of corporate workshops. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd say four or 500 people. Four or 500, okay. Um, yeah. But whether you're in front of a camera or you're on a podcast, you know, whether you're speaking one-on-one in a, or in a boardroom, I mean, you've got to win big, yes? You've got to win you big. you got to win. Mm-hmm. got to win Absolutely. big. And, and yes. So now, would you, is there anything else? Do you want me to go into a little bit of mastering the message and the delivery? Yeah, I, I do want to go into mastering the message because it's 90% written and 10% delivery. Uh, but before you go into mastering, I, I do want to – you help a lot of people find their voice, right? And I, I like uh, in previous conversations we were talking about uh, you help people find their voice even if they feel they are voiceless. And in, in one particular case, uh, you, will, you deal with women that have dealt with abuse, and they may feel, hey, I don't have a voice, and, and you, you bring it out of them. So I guess that goes into, you know, mastering the written and, and having that overall great public speaking experience. I'd like to, for you to talk a little bit about uh, working with women that deal with abuse, and then we can go into the mastering. Hey, um, it wasn't specifically what I did. I think you're thinking of when I directed the vagina monologues twice at the Westport Country Playhouse. And what we did was a fundraiser for the Domestic Finance Crisis Center, we raised about $60,000. They house abused women and their children. So it's a very, very beautiful thing. So what happened was I took, I put a cast together of unknown, um, some were parents of moms of my students, you know, somewhere I had auditions. And um, because I didn't want like a Julia Roberts up on the stage, so everybody's looking at Julia Roberts. And usually with the vagina monologues, you're supposed to be reading them. But I did a moving play where everyone was acting it out. So, so the first thing, like if you, think of, um, if you think of an iceberg and you think of the lines being 15% of the, the tip of the iceberg that's above, that you see above the ocean surface, and the rest is what you bring to it. It's who you are. So I always begin anything I do with really getting to know everyone. And what I found behind closed doors of uh, uh, Fairfield County was that there were women in the cast who have been abused. And so from that standpoint, yes, so I was working with them, and this was an amazing vehicle for them to release and transform, and they made changes in their lives. They started businesses, some got divorced, you know. So it was, um, I call it theater for life. I call it theater for life. And it's the same thing I do with kids because the most important thing is for them to know that their voice is vital so they can stand up and speak up for themselves and others and lead us into a better world. So when I begin a musical, whether it's on bullying 
you know, whatever it is, and, and now I'm writing one to give foster kids a voice, I want them to be involved with the process. I want them to be spokespeople. I want them, again, to lead us into a better world. I, unlike the CEO who will come to me and say, I'd rather quit my job than speak in front of 300 people, I don't want that to happen to our kids. I want them to be able to know they have a voice and use it and help others. So a lot of it, again, is tapping into that power within you. And once you tap into that, there's like no stopping you. You know, you can do amazing things. And I hear from parents all the time and kids who keep in touch with me because the program's been around for 15 years. You know, somebody's in finance, but yet they can give a presentation, right? You can advocate for yourself. You can go through a college interview. That's the idea. So, yes, getting back to the women, yeah, there were, there were some of the women who, by being a part of the, music, of, of the vagina monologues, they made amazing, powerful, life-altering changes for themselves. And also, because this was a cast of unknown actors, people would come over to them who were in the audience, let's say they'd see them in a supermarket, and they'd come over to them and say, you changed my life. I really related to what you had to say. You know, and this was written. This was with John Monologues. But they did it in such an authentic way because that's, that's without the authenticity, Hamza, you know, whether you're speaking or acting, you need to be authentic. And, but you, in order to be authentic, you need to know who you are. Mm-hmm. You need to know who you are. So yeah. what's your, you don't have to give away your full secret sauce. Obviously, we'll leave uh, breadcrumbs so they can get your, you know, con- uh, get in contact with you for a consultation and, and everything else you have to offer at the end. But what's the first step that we can do to tap into the power within so we can access the authentic self? Okay. I mean, obviously, as a coach, I can do this. Um, I just worked with someone over the phone who was a referral I never met. I never met her, and it was incredible um, because I, can, I know what strengths are. You have to say, what are my strengths? What are my strengths? And if you don't know what they are, start thinking about positive um, things that happened to you where you did something great. Chances are your strengths, yes? Mm-hmm. Are there? We're there. Sometimes you have to backtrack to figure it out. I can instantly access them. I know. Chances are you're a kind person. You're an intelligent person. You're a compassionate person. Those are all strengths. That's again very compelling when you're when you're speaking and communicating and interacting because people are are crying out for that authentic connection. We don't have it anymore. You know, so that's, you need to know your strengths. And if you don't know and you still don't know, ask someone else. Ask a friend. What is it that you admire about me? What do you like about me? But in in my book, I have a whole template of ways you can tap into that and and ask yourself. Um, Yeah. But eating from the positive. Sure, I was just thinking probably more 
it wasn't it wasn't an enlightened question. I was just thinking guys going, What do you think about me? <laughs> <laughs> While we're eating wings watching the football game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So after the football game while they're drinking a beer or whatever or having a burger, they can say, Hey, you know something? What you know, you've known me for ten years. What do you what do you think I'm good at? What do you what do you think? You know, and if the guy doesn't think anything, well, then ask someone else. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I have strength. Um, I created something. I think you'll like this. Okay. It's called the best approach. And the B, the E, the S, and the T, it's an acronym. And all four have to be in place to really not only excel in public speaking, but life in general and any goal you're trying to attain. Okay, so you ready? Got my pen out. And I'm going to talk about public, I'm going to talk about it in terms of how it relates to public speaking. The B is belief, right? You need to believe in what you're saying in your message, and you need to believe that you're the one to, to communicate that message, all right? Because if you don't believe in the message or that you're the one, forget it, right? The E is also twofold, the effort and the energy. The effort being all of the preparation. You need to research, research, research. You need to practice, practice, practice. All right, that's, that's the effort. And you need to craft the message. The energy is what I talked about. You need that positive, powerful energy that's going to connect with everyone in that room during the delivery. And since we already talked about that, if the effort's put in and you've mastered it, you're going to master the delivery. Mm-hmm. The S we already talked about are your strengths. Know what your strengths are. Know three of your strengths because we're going to integrate that in your presentation. You need to know what your strengths are and make them stronger. If I don't have a sense of humor, I'm not. if somebody tells me to tell a joke, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'll pass, right? You need to know what you're good at. And the T is what most corporations and individuals are missing. The T are the tactics and the strategy. And I have a template for that. It's very specific, the strategy in terms of who is your audience, what are the mechanics? Are you speaking, you know, are you using a confidence monitor? Is it, um, is it a teleprompter? You know, do you have a podium? What time of day is it? Do the people, does your audience want to be there? Or do they have to be, you know, all of this, all of this stuff. And uh, you need to strategize how you best tell your message to connect with everyone. Again, in terms of are you speaking in front of scientists? Are you speaking in front of investors? Everything is so important because if you don't have the strategy in place and the tactics by which to get there, what happens is your belief, your effort and energy, right, starts to diminish. And your, your, your um, strengths, you, you start questioning them. So that T has to be in place in a big way. And they call it the best approach. 
I like it. I like it. And I, I like the strategy. And I do, uh, I have a bio, going back to Biomed, your, that recent conference you were in. Uh, this morning I, I was watching a, a scientist. He's one of the top scientists in gene editing. And he's at Harvard School of Medicine. And, you know, great presentation. It was about an hour. The audience was sitting on, their, on the edge of their seat because they wanted to be there. And he started out with, you know, there, there's conventional wisdom of starting out with a joke. And he gave a little joke, and there was that definite confidence. He, he definitely used his best approach. And my question is, is there a balance between having that confidence versus show, uh, de- uh, self-deprecation? Okay, be a little more specific. Sure. So, like, you know, when you said if, uh, if you ask people what's their strengths and then they go around the room, they could tell you ten negatives about them, but they couldn't find their strengths. Yeah. And then there's others that would say, oh, this person is too confident or they're arrogant, and I don't want to be – I don't want to come across as arrogant. So they right. may put oh, a – Oh, that's a, 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 Yes. Okay. Right. Can you address okay. that? Yes, if if you do things with authenticity and you're confident with who you are, then you're a giver and you want to help and you want to sincerely help, and that comes across. Arrogance comes across when you're insecure and you're trying to compensate that way. So if, you're, if you know who you are and you're like-minded, like-hearted, and you truly want to give and share, again, we pick up on that, right? It's mm-hmm. all about authenticity and feeling good I about would just think, yeah. I love that. And I, I just think you're in high demand now because we are all, the world is a stage, but because of electronics, every waking moment is. And so I'm thinking of political figures, you know, they always have to, do these public speaking and you can tell or we can tell or we're getting better at telling who's authentic and who isn't my goodness yes and you know i've been asked to work with some politicians and i've turned it down because i do not want to play a game Ah. i have to stick so yeah i can't i can't do that my heart of hearts can't do it If there maybe was someone who I really believed in who was very authentic and wasn't playing the game, because everyone gets caught up in the game, you know, maybe, maybe. But, yes, I can't even, and right now I can't even go there. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Um, Yeah, oh, boy. And that's why, you know, I say the kids need to lead us into a better world more than ever. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the, um, did I tell you the title of my book? No. Okay, well, it's, uh, hopefully it'll be out, you know, within a year. And my website should be up uh, within a week or so because I never had a website because I was always by word of mouth. And uh, because I'm writing a book, the, the agent said, you need to, you know, get a presence, get the website, and, you know, you need a social media presence, the whole thing. Okay, fine. So... The whole now you're going to laugh, and the whole idea, and and now you realize as well after listening to me, which hopefully was somewhat enjoyable and entertaining. Um, I uh, I say we need to lighten up and laugh and learn a new methodology that works. Uh, so the title of my book is called Climax with Your Audience. 
how to peak at public speaking over and over again. And the thing is, if you look up the definition of climax, the first definition is a culmination, an apex, or a peak. The second definition is sexual. However, you can only imagine, you know, that there are a lot of double entendres, and it's very funny because my motivation is to get people away from the four-letter F word, fear, allow them to lighten up and laugh while they learn a new methodology that can transform them. So I do make it fun, but at the same time, it's very serious. Um, so anyway, so now you know. I love it because of the double entendre. They're not thinking of fear. They're thinking of the other four-letter word. Exactly. Well, the funny thing is, you know, I say in the beginning of the book, um, uh, if you – Oh, wait, I say something like, although I can't guarantee this with your partner, I can guarantee it when it comes to public speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I also say, you know, uh, if, you, if you lack a sense of humor and or don't like sex, close this book immediately and walk away. But if you want to lighten up and laugh while learning a new methodology that works, that will transform you, then buy this book as soon as, you know, ASAP. Um, it will change your life. So, yes. I am revolutionizing the world of public speaking. That's what I am trying to do. And if there is, if there is a takeaway, the takeaway is for all of your listeners that, again, their ability, it's not their fault because they've been mistaught and that everyone can be a great public speaker, a great presenter. And the sooner they learn how to do it, the sooner all of you learn how to do it, the better because your ability to communicate definitely correlates with your ability to succeed. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. That's- yeah, you sound like you're, you're giving skydiving a run for its money uh, because after, <laughs> I had gone sky- after I had gone skydiving, they said that's the most fun you can have with your clothes on. And <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're yes. saying it's public speaking. <laughs> yes, and put their clothes back on. Absolutely. Fun with your clothes on, too. I can promise you, because once you learn how to connect with that audience, and again, you know, I always talk about the copy, you know, being anticlimactic, because if it's flat, that's exactly what it is. So once you master that message and master that delivery, yay. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and usually at this time we give you the opportunity to, you know, promote your book and your site and such. And a lot of it, I mean, you're really successful, and like you said, from corporate to creative environments. Uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you now while we're waiting for the book and website to get completed? Okay. Um, thank you for asking. I had actually GoDaddy made me an email address. So let me just look it up. Of course, I'm so honest. You know, again, I can say, oh, well, I have. No, 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 no. Here's the email address because I should have had my website up already. Unbelievable. Um, It's just that I get so caught up with doing things for other people and I get called into coachings, and to me that's the priority. Uh, Let me see. Okay, the email is info, I-N-F-O, at... Jason, which is my last name, J A Y S is in Sam, E N is in Nancy, communications.com. So it's 
info at J-A-Y-S-E-N-C-O-M-M-U-N-I-C-A-T-I-O-N-S dot com. And, I mean, they also gave me a phone number. I can, you know, probably... Because I would be more than happy, again, if someone knows that they were listening to this for a reason and that they feel really great and they want to reach out to me, uh, they can email me, and then I guess I can give them a phone number from there. So I would yeah. say, I think, just email me first, yes? Yeah, I would, I would actually suggest that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah better. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I just, I don't want this to end. I'm really bad at saying goodbye, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I knew immediately when we connected, though, I knew, as you did, that we were like-minded, like-hearted, and, you know, I I just, what a joy, what a joy, right? They say the moment is is what we have, and this has been an amazing moment. Um, Yeah. You're amazing. Absolutely. Thank you, and I agree. And I think what what happens, and just for people listening, I think even when you talk about public speaking and just real life, or you know, life outside of public speaking, is what you said is the acronym. And when you use that best approach, you are authentic, and it comes across as real. And that's where you get the best value out of out of any life experience. Yes, and and absolutely. And the thing is. For your listeners, they should, they're experts at what they do. They should not expect to be able to do this by themselves, you know. So reach out, and I'll be happy to give a free consultation. I'll be happy. Okay. If, if they're your listeners, they should say in the subject, um, on the subject line, that they're your listeners in terms of that they and then I will immediately answer. <laughs> We're all like sure. Oh. Absolutely. Just mention in the subject line uh, intrinsic motivation from a homie's perspective, and then Jill can get in touch with you accordingly. Did you so. Sorry. Yeah, it sounded like there was an echo. So I think this is what happens when multiple people are in the speaker. I take my speaker off. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, David's on speaker, too. Okay, I just took it off. Of, yeah, now you sound a lot better. Uh, David, if you're on speaker, if you can take that stuff off speaker as well. Okay, hold on. Yeah, all of a sudden it just echoed. That was really strange. Yeah. Yeah, it happens when multiple people are on speaker. See, it all, they all went away. All the yeah, ghosts went away. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Are we still on yeah. on air? Yeah, we are, because uh, I do want to close it out. And so I just okay. wanted to mention, as you were saying, for the subject line, for the listeners, if you put in the subject header that uh, you heard, you want to get in touch with her from intrinsic motivation from a homie's perspective, and then she can honor the consultation with you for those that are listening to uh, the podcast on, on our social media outlets. So I, with that, I will with so that, Yes, uh, and we appreciate it, Joe. And yeah. without, yes, and so you have just been in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I am David. And Jill, it was a pleasure tapping into the power within with you. What a joy for me. Let's stay in touch. Absolutely.
So great. So great. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Bye, David. Have a great day. Bye now. You too. Bye. Thank you.